Fanatsu. Um, again, uh, Sizos Masi to our, our patrons, uh, for all our supporters. Uh, we are now at what, like 16 patrons? Um, yeah. People who are, are uh, helping to keep the show going and uh, most importantly, keeping it free and available for uh, the masses. Um, and if you are interested in becoming a patron and helping to support the show, uh, please go to patreon.com slash fanatsu. And um, for as little as 10 bucks a month, you get uh, access to radical history. And for uh, a little bump of uh, you know five extra dollars at 15, um, you get a radical reading and radical history. And um, you get to, you know, you get you, you get the pride of being a a, a Masamagas uh, 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 patron, right? Well, it's better than the cockfight, which which will sadly be closing down. I know, soon. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so please, uh, you can go um, check that out. Uh, lots of exclusive content. Uh, yeah, it'll be a great year, 2019 for sure. So yeah, uh, with that, we'll get started. Um, I have uh, we have with us um, uh, Senor Ed Perez and uh, Senor Tony Baza. Yeah. So I guess um, maybe you guys can uh, just start with uh, introducing uh, yourselves and uh, yeah. your your um, very um, uh, colorful histories, yeah. really. And so, uh, Senor Senor Baza, how good it? Well, Finetna. Okay, we know English from tomorrow, but I am English. Let me tell you something that I am concerned about independence movement. It's a personal experience. I live in DC Lights. I was a student since the 50s. So I've been there since Eisenhower president. So I went through so many things that happened. I befriended a number of Puerto Ricans. Some were students with me. And uh, one of them became very close friends. And uh, Hector uh, became a lawyer and uh, an advisor to a mayor in a town in Puerto Rico. So Hector, we discussed this issue for many years, very back. And uh, my, my concern sometimes is this, he never told me that he was a member of the Nationalist Party. Uh-huh. He kept it to himself, which is independence movement. Puerto Rico actually took their status seriously. When I was there, uh, just before I arrived, I think in the early 50s, nationalist people were coming to the US. They almost killed Truman. And then the second group came. I was a student there in 54. They shot the Congress. Mm-hmm. So at that time, and all the, the Puerto Rican movement was very active. But anyway, to make the story short, Later on, my friend went back to Puerto Rico and I invited me for vacation a number of times. So I went to, to Puerto Rico and I thought I'd surprise him. You know, that was the biggest surprise. I went to Puerto Rico and then I thought I'd hire a, a, my own, you know, transportation to look him up in this. Guanyambo is just outside of, of, of Osan 1. 
and I went to this mayor's office because I knew he was an advisor. I went to the mayor's office and I asked for Hector Roman Davila. Well, in Puerto Rico, you know, they, they switch their names back to the Spanish. Your last name is in the middle, so they don't know who Hector Roman is. So I, so I said, okay, Hector Davila. Then they, they told me to go see an attorney in another building because the mayor, I think, was looking at me, like looking at my shoes. And, you know, he, I didn't look like a Puerto Rican, you know. <laughs> so they suspected maybe that I belonged to some kind of organization like intelligence, mm -hmm. FBI or something. FBI. I, I sensed it right away because my Spanish, you know, is not really Puerto Rican. But anyway, I went to this other office next door. They asked me the same question. How did I know him? And I said to him, well, we were good, you know, friends. And then he told me, go next door to a restaurant called Galeon and ask for the owner for La Luna. La Luna is supposed to be his contact person. Well, I know in Spanish La Luna means uh, the moon, you know. I begin to suspect that they're reading me around, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, why are they avoiding me? I went to this restaurant. I asked the uh, owner of the restaurant, who's La Luna? And he told me, behind me. Mm -hmm. I turned around, there was La Luna. He looked at my shoes, he looked at my clothes, and he asked me, how did I know him? So I said to La Luna, hey, La Luna, is Hector in jail? <laughs> like, you know, he took me around and asked me more questions. You know, we went driving. Then I realized Hector's sister was a member of the Nationalist Party. And the FBI were, I guess, tracking her down, you know. So that's my first experience of people involving with the independence movement, that the FBI was so active. And even Ed was concerned oh, Ed, about, you know, this thing. But anyway, my point in all of this, I thought it was too funny, you know. Hector saw me that evening and he started laughing. Say, you know, you shouldn't laugh, Hector, because you know they thought I was a, an FBI agent. But the point I'm trying to say is this, is that Puerto Rico went to everything that we in Guam, they yeah. even exceeded what we've done, mm -hmm. you know. They even, you know, have men yeah. in arms, you know. And that's why they didn't want to deal with me because right. they figured I was a, a, a federal agent, you know. Gotcha. So anyway, uh, that's the reason why I thought that I think your movement in the island, as I understood in, in his mm -hmm. writings, Stick close to policy, you know, attack the policy. I don't think you should attack um, uh, mm -hmm. the reason why you're calling on is to pick their policy apart because I thought that uh, um, we have lunch with uh, former Governor Ada and I think Joseph Ada, uh, he, in 1993 in a conference, I think that piece of document explains tremendously what you're up against legally, mm. you know. And I think he knows that mm. very well. But my point in all of this is that uh, I believe like that if you stay close to attacking a policy and not, not Americans or Navy or whatever it is, I think then, as my friend Ed tells me, uh, you may have to lead yourself into primarily international because we went to the White House, we went to the Congress, uh -huh. you passed a referendum in 1987 for Commonwealth with mutual consent and nobody pays attention. So you better go maybe to the international arena. Yeah. 
And I think that's probably the biggest target, the international arena. Uh, the United Nations in 1960 passed uh, what they call the rights of self-determination, is it? Something like that. Everybody's entitled, the colonists mm -hmm. is entitled to that. So in short line, I don't want to take most of your time, I followed the Puerto Rican hearing for many years, but the last one I attended was about 1997. You know, I, five five parties got together, independent, state, all kinds. They all agreed that they're wasting their time having referendum in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. They're wasting their money and their time. They passed something and the Congress didn't, doesn't pay attention. So the Puerto Rican pushed a resolution in 1997. I don't think it ever went anywhere, but that was their last strategy. They asked the Congress to pass a resolution that they that 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 self determination of the resolution United Nations, you know, is is what make that uh, an official American American policy. Otherwise, you know, they're hypocrites if they're so. They all decided that if they are entitled to self determination, then the second question they asked the Congress: Whatever we choose, would you would you tell us what are the choices we have? Mm. Put, put, in other words, turn around and ask the Congress, yeah. what options are they going to give you? Don't waste your time having referendums and spending money, studies, baloney. Yeah. So I think that most of your leaders way back went through all of that, you know, all the way back. Mm -hmm. So the, so now the approach probably, in my opinion, I think, and maybe I'm correct, the only thing that you're entitled with a congressional authority yeah. is the right of self-determination. It's an international law. It has nothing to do with the U.S. Congress. The other part I always thought, the sign of the Treaty of Paris is Spain. Mm. It's not bad to try and befriend the Spanish. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad because they are designers. I once was very friendly to a, a vacation land in Spain and I befriended a few. And I asked them once, uh, you guys, you know, you took $20 million and you, we ended up, you know, in the can with uh, Puerto Rico, Home, and mm -hmm. Philippines. And they told me this and said, you know, Tony, all of you guys from the colonies, it's very easy for you to become Spanish citizens if you want. All the colonial, former colonies. Now, what he essentially, if you're not happy with your system, apply, you know. So, what I was telling them is that. I, I, you know, that uh, you guys, you know, put us in a situation in your geopolitical maneuvers, you know, uh, where now we have over a hundred years to deal with a situation where we're completely ignored. Yeah. And I think that's where you are all coming in. So what really are my suggestion is, I think like this approach should be international law. Second, don't, fool around with negatives about whether the Navy, the Marines here can shoot a canyon somewhere, is actually to come up with the idea that if you follow, if you change the system under your control, that you're in the middle of a trade route between Asia, China, is going to be the biggest economy in the world in a few years. In fact, I think it's bigger now, 21 trillion, the US 18 trillion is GDP. So you got China, you got the Koreans and the Russians trading in Latin America. We're right in the middle of it. Yeah. That I thought that this is the opportunity to take advantage because we will look make Singapore look silly. 
we're closer. Uh, yeah. Especially we get together with Marianas, you know. You have a home porting, a, a, a ship in there, maybe a European boat, you know, home porting in Guam, so you don't have to put up with Matson, you know, to control, <laughs> monopolize everything yeah. in there. So these are really the things that you, you have to say that this you, you can do, but under one system. You cannot do it on the present system. Right. You know, the lobbies in Washington, whenever you you try to remove Madison, they will win against you. Mm. So the only way, I guess, is to make the United States realize that you're really entitled to self-determination. So yeah. after that, you know, it's recognized. I guess your biggest job is how you, how you convince your tomorrow friends. Right, absolutely. How do you convince them that you can do it? Yeah. And I think that that's where you guys come in. Yeah, I mean, I used to start things like this with a mayor in Yomadak, with a mayor in Iran. Go to the smaller places and talk to people like the way we talk now. Mm -hmm. And iron out what you think mm -hmm. can happen to us if we handle our own affairs. To, to try to debate whether the Filipinos or the Americans should vote or not was a useless argument. Mm -hmm. Most of these people are here in Guam because of the tourist money. Yeah. If there were no tourist money, it wouldn't be here, mm -hmm. you know. So um, you you probably have to look at it in those terms, like emphasize actually international law with the Americans, or they're serious with it, or they're you know, but they're hypocrites. Yeah. And the other part I thought is only look at the positive side. Mm -hmm. What you can do if you were to run your affairs, mm -hmm. I think that if you do, then you you might probably convince a lot of our own people. Yeah, you I, know, I, that's I, I my, my point. The yeah. security is very important, but I don't know much. But that man over there no. knows the security. Awesome. Yeah. So if I if I understand what you're saying correctly, then um, what you're saying is um, yeah. uh, we need to help people understand yeah. locally um, what what decolonization uh, actually means, yeah. and um, it, it's more than just a matter of um, of human rights. Yeah. Right. It's it's more than just a matter of uh, of certain lands being taken yeah. away and uh, you know ancestral sites being desecrated, but there's actually there's an economic uh, impetus yeah. for decolonization. And that might be that might ring um, louder to yeah. to most people than um, other elements of, of the conversation, yeah, yeah. right? And uh, also before before I, I hand it over to uh, Senor um, Perez, um, I, I really appreciate uh, your, your story about Puerto Rico, and it's it's fascinating to me that um, uh, our people have been making these connections uh, between you know Puerto yeah. Rico and Guam Actually, like for decades. Actually, you should connect like with other territories, your movement. You should connect with the Puerto Rican movement uh -huh. for uh, self determination issue. Because that's really key. Yeah. You know. Um, but I don't know, like, I heard, like, that you are now 33% huh, in Chamorong Guam. Maybe 33. No, a little bit higher than that. A little bit higher. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Davis went to court, and uh, somehow mm -hmm. our federal judge, you know, should should, okay. should use her head a little bit. We need bit. to get Davis to a cockfight. Yeah, she says that we discriminate these people, yeah. discriminate yeah. baloney, we've been uh, put under the gun for 50, almost 100 years, you know. But I think and, uh, uh, something came up in the news yeah. uh, a couple, maybe a couple of days ago, or maybe yeah. several yeah. weeks ago, about that kind yeah. of a deal about the land trust. Yeah. And uh, they referred to something that had transacted was transacting uh, yeah. related to the Land Trust Act, and uh, they failed to mention 
that crucial thing yeah. about what is which and where is which being talked about. Because yeah. I think the judge denied some of that thing uh, based on that particular thing, on yeah. the definition that was probably <coughs> failed to be included in that Land Trust Act when it was yeah. made, you know. So, because uh, otherwise the discrimination is not there. Yeah. Because yeah. it specifically states for the Tamil or the yeah. indigenous people. And that's one point where, again, yeah. what he's saying is about just to look at the policy because you gotta look at the policy, really. And this thing here, you know, being human, uh, yeah, you always would like to bring up some of the dirty stuff. and, and what, <laughs> But if you stay close to the objectivity of whatever the cause is that, you know, mm -hmm. the group, yeah. the people, <clears throat> you know, the indigenous, yeah. you know, need to really awake to what it is that happened back in 1898 mm -hmm. and what had been following, being followed through, but not quite in the same direction. In other words, the journey hasn't been yeah, in yeah. that process. Mm -hmm. And so the definition now would be to try to look back into the journey, ferreting out whatever the policies that were being incorporated in either by an executive order or by the Congress, because that, those yeah, are very important yeah. matters. How it was being done, those policies that were being executed then, whether it's only a short-term thing or whatever, mm -hmm. but the fact that it was recognized, yeah. that's a standard already, you know, from which to really uh, come true. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that, uh, just for the record, really, yeah. and, you know, we all look at ourselves here, right? Yeah. And uh, for most yeah. of us, we know that we are U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that's going to last, I don't know, because, you know, some of the other um, yeah. uh, islands that uh, were given the citizenship were being denied, I guess, uh, as yeah, I yeah. understood. Anyway. Yeah. But... Uh, in Samoa, you know, you, you take a look like in planning because, you know, Guam had been, or the people of Guam had been really subsisting for 300 years, you know, without any outside, uh, uh, how would you call it, support. Mm -hmm. The people were alive. They, at one time they had 100,000 mm -hmm. natives and uh, they just started to egress from the island because of the newcomers. You know, like you do have the Tomorrow Wars and then, mm. you know, Tomorrow Spanish thing. And, and sometimes when you look at the aspect of war, uh, you would almost determine that the more that they funnel in whatever it is, <laughs> one of the facets, one of the, the players, uh, it indicates a little bit to the people that, uh, wait a minute, you know, we're not sure about this. And again, they're psychological. And uh, for those that would, uh, as you go to your education here at the UOG, make sure you have some liberal arts uh, courses, just so that you know about the makeup of human nature. Because a lot of people, like in science, for example, engineering, or in any of those places, okay, 
<clears throat> there was a big mistake, and this has been proven, it's been written up a long time ago, that those that really only have those science courses, those mathematical courses and everything else, and even companies, corporations, yeah. they found out that they need to get somebody else that's non-engineering, non-scientific, non-all of this thing here. Mm -hmm. And otherwise the company will start to, to fold. Yeah. You know, implode is the better word rather than explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm using that word just, just to get the difference. See, we're talking about policies and everything. I'm just trying to get something here, yeah. more uh, physical a presentation of the empirical uh, <laughs> imaginary or whatever. Anyway. So anyway, uh, like uh, what Tony mentioned, the policies, what I wanted to say there was, uh, and I mentioned about the, the planting, the, you know, the food, yeah. is that uh, I remember this when I was small, the word sucking, you know? Yeah. The family would plant, Potatoes yeah, there, and, you know, corn yeah. there, and tom tomatoes there, and everything else. But the key was whichever took a long time before the actual, um, yeah. what do you call it, uh, um, oh, harvesting. Okay. Uh, they have the right mind actually, because in the Tamor language, Here's what makes us so different. Yeah. Because in the Tamora language, some of the words that are being used okay. actually doesn't have to be explained. Whereas if you were using, you were going to the foreign languages, yeah. whether it be German or, or Spanish or any other language, yeah. you have to use many, many, many words to explain because after you say one word, they will say, I, I'm follow. I, I don't follow, I don't yeah. follow. But in Samoa, mm -hmm. when it is said, oh, you already grasped the whole meaning of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, see, yeah. that's what makes the Samoa language being yeah. very different even than languages. Because see, people will talk about languages and they will mean idioms, you know. Yeah. Big difference, language and idioms. They're different. But a lot of people don't look at it that way. They just yeah. you don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah. And here you are, you know, like, heck, yeah. I do know what I'm talking about. You don't know, um, you know. And then they say, but you're not. You can't because, you know, you've yeah. been living on a small island. You don't, you don't know about what's happening in the other yeah. places. Yeah. Well, we do know what's been happening in the other places because, hey, you can understand more just with the few words that the local people know than the outside people. I think you, you probably find that. They, yeah, 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 right. I, uh, I'm one of those World War II <laughs> type survivors. And number one, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen before under, let's say for example, uh, before the war, the big war, World War II. And uh, I know my parents, uh, I got to learn English, <laughs> you know, because uh, we have to learn English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I would wonder because, you know, my grand, some of my grandparents, they, under, they know Spanish. They understand Spanish. As a matter of fact, when I went to school, high school in the States, the only way that I can communicate with my grandmother 
And I thank my taking Spanish because that's how I communicate with her. Mm -hmm. I would be writing to her in Spanish and that's how we communicate. Yeah. So, you know, but there is also something. And you know, the thing about the natives, the indigenous natives, is that they can really modify whatever it is that has a meaning in order to make that significance without having to say yeah. many, many words just to effect that significance. Mm -hmm. That's the uniqueness about the language of the indigenous. And you know what? We're also copycats because number yeah. one, yeah. we tell our little ones, yeah. turn on the light, right? Not yeah. <laughs> 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 old fan. Not old fan. He can't, yeah. you know? <laughs> you see that? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, th this is some of those characteristics that very uniquely will stand up in the definition of what a language is, really. Mm -hmm. And it's even more. Yeah. It's even more. And that's one area that, uh, you know, on being an indigenous. Anyway, and, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> talking about tomorrow, you know, I think like that in the independence that the idea of identity, you know, is very important. Identity language unifies people, mm -hmm. unifies your culture, you reach back, you, you know, here and I, they ask me many times, and I say, where do you come from? And I know very well when I say from Guam, they don't know. So what I would do is this, I said, you know, in fact, a friend of mine called me many years ago from the Census Bureau, and he said, hey, Tony, are you from Guam? I said, yes. How come that you told me you're tomorrow? How come the Census Bureau said you're all Pacific Islander? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but the Pacific Islanders, it's that there are so many people over there. You, if you include everybody, you know, the, Polyn you know, the Polynesians, everybody. Uh -huh. I said, that's not an identity. Well, apparently, the Census Bureau wants to make it easy that there are no people out there, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So whoever is, lives in there is called Pacific Islander. Yeah. They don't want ethnic designation for whatever reason, like. I was curious why they, maybe the naval intelligence said, hey, hey, they don't, there's no more of them out there, you know. So, but my, my concern sometimes about identity is this. When you're somebody highly educated, you know, I once met, in fact, I met Mandel, and when I said I come from Guam, he knew, you know, Joanna, you know, and uh, he former, had, former vice president. He, he asked Mandel. me really, what kind of people are in Guam? How do you explain that? You know what I mean? So what I say is this, we are a people that sang four national anthems. <laughs> and to the noble cause, five national anthems. The German and the Saipan, the Spanish, the Japanese, the Moros, you know, and, uh, and you guys, the Americans. You know, looking at me, they said, what about you? Guam said, well, remove the Germans. We, we speak all of We sang, but I will tell you this, Mr. Mondale, None of those words, we knew nothing what it means. We were parrots. We were kids singing this, you know. We were singing like, you know, little mm. kids. And they were laughing. I mean, I was in the Japanese school in the war. I sang the murumu, say murumu, you know, but I didn't know a word what I was singing. <laughs> but, but they were Japanese, they make you sing it. The Americans yeah. came, we sang Oh Say. I thought it was my cousin who sang. <laughs> so, you know, when all of them started, you know, but they start laughing. And I said, that's what you do when you occupy a place and you don't know the people. Mm. You know, you impose everything, your language, their everything. But I, I use it as a joke yeah. because that makes us unique people. 
So then I tell them this, but let me tell you why the Samoa is very important. During the Japanese time, we, we talk, you know, and we describe how stupid they are, the Japanese in Samoa, and they're all laughing, they're thinking that we're saying something nice to them. You know, <laughs> we do the same thing with the Americans that we don't like, we do the same thing, you know. So the Samoa language is powerful, you know, to use it. Big. So this is one experience. When Wompat was a delegate there, they always I was invited receptions. Well, we go together and in Guam, you know, there's Dick Ellis' father's American married tomorrow. Dick Ellis looked just totally American. I, a few other guys, were speaking tomorrow, you know. The minute an American guy enters the picture, we all switch <laughs> to English. The next group behind me are all Latin Americans. They all speaking Spanish. An American guy walking there, they kept speaking Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I realized that we have been yeah, yeah. decolonized for too long, you know. Immediately like, we try to accommodate this guy right, because right. you know we thought he's impolite. These are the guys that they act with him if he doesn't know Spanish, you know. Too yeah, bad. Absolutely. So maybe like that is the part of the decolonization uh, mm -hmm. is to get out of a trap. Huh? Yeah. You know, oh. uh, maybe that is the psychological, huh? Absolutely. That is psychology, huh? Involved. Yeah. You know, um, while I have you guys here, um, what's what's fascinating to me is that um, yeah. the the fact that you guys are are having these yeah. conversations and you guys have having yeah. been having these conversations for a very long time, yeah. um, but um, at least uh, like there is a perception that um, the Manamku, um are, most of them are very hesitant to talk about yeah. decolonization or at least in support of it. And yeah. anytime you, you bring up issues like, um, you know, like, or I guess, you know, speaking yeah. from my own experience, when I when I speak to my grandma about um, the war, like, oh, grandma, did you know that the Americans yeah. knew that um, the Japanese were going to attack months in advance? You know, she'll just be like, oh, I don't know, boy, you know, they they came yeah. back, they saved us, and I don't know how to talk about yeah. these things. And so um, I guess what I want to ask is, uh, how do how do more people start having these conversations with Manamko? And in your experience, uh, are there more people of your yeah. generation that um, actually are in favor of decolonization and just maybe don't know how to express that? You know, the, the you want to pass on to you? Huh? Okay. Uh, you go ahead, you go. Well, just to, yeah. so I mean, there's there's certainly more than there used to be at least. Yeah. And I think, um, so I'll give you, I'll give you an example that I've, I've interviewed several former governors who would be considered war survivors, right? And it's interesting because one of them who uh, one of them recently told me, interviewing them about their experiences in political status, time in office, and one of them told me that he always supported greater independence for Guam, but when he was governor, you could never say that you were supporting independence. A second governor that I talked to, he said the same thing. He said that he believed that Guam would be the best under independence, but you and when he was in office, you could never say that you thought that Guam should be independent. Um, but they both believed that that was the best option. But the conversation at that time, if you said that, you would be considered yeah. anti-American, radical, crazy. And so I think that in some ways, the, the fact that uh, yeah. some, you know, that people such as uh, Senor Perez and Senor Baza, that they're, they're coming out and talking is also yeah. because of the way that people have changed the conversation. Yeah. I think you find that a lot of the young ones. Uh, well, let me let me start from this. Uh, 
You know, as you grow older and you've been to different places, like uh, I, I left Guam, uh, you know, as a young teen and didn't come back till much, much, much later. And uh, during that time, uh, one finds himself in different parts of the world. And it, that comes in a category if you happen to be in the military, especially. And being in the military, sometimes you get to go to, to those places that you know you don't want to go to that place. But you have to. And uh, I, uh, my parents wanted me to get to know about what's outside of the island. And uh, I went to high school in California. And then after high school, I went to college, the university. And uh, just to backtrack, going back to the old way when I was surrounded by Chamoles, my great aunts, my grandfather's sisters, who incidentally were great, uh, how do you call it, uh, cooks, bakers. And uh, not only that, but they also have a knack for making sure that what you would be eating, like coconut crab, for example, or the crab, the land crab, that you just don't kill it. First, you gotta feed it so that you'll get whatever it used to have been yeah. eating yeah. would get out of their system so that you don't get to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be, man, I was very curious about that. And I would go on over to my great aunts who lived just a, several uh, houses over on the other side in the canyon. And I would stay there and I would just watch these crabs. One of these crabs, actually, you might say, I recognize as a crab syndrome, which is part of what some morals actually might be following. Yeah. Because we don't like to see any tomorrows actually get it's better than you or get better. The status quo has got to be maintained. Mm. Because some of the crap that, you know, this is what I what I saw from my great aunts. They have this little big uh, uh, vessel, you know, to keep the crabs in there, right? But they put the rocks in there too, so that they can exercise, you know, and go up and down. And I would watch maybe a few of these little crabs that they would get on top of this rock right. and would manage to just get one of the claws up there. Uh -huh. But that other guy <laughs> would come on up there and say, you're not gonna escape. <laughs> And all of them would yeah, get yeah. killed or died, and you know, in the in the you know yeah. the pot, right? Now, that's something that's a reality, really, for young people, because I would always go there mm -hmm. just to watch that. And later on, you got to be thinking, mm -hmm. how come it's always doing that? You know, how come they're always doing that? And then when you hear someone really giving some bad. Uh, vibes to some other kids, yeah. you know, you try to relate that humans, crap, all the same here. And you couldn't help but come to the conclusion that our local people sometimes have that kind of a, mm -hmm. of a personality or an ingrained 
you know, thing. <laughs> you know, and maybe that's why uh, we would go with the flow, so to speak, yeah, rather than yeah. to, to make do with something. Yeah. But, <clears throat> you know, with my father anyway, uh, he understood early about the system outside of the tomorrows because uh, when he was going to school in the daytime, he was curious and asked his dad to go to the evening division just so that he could work and work with the firms, outside firms, so he will understand a little bit more. What he learned, I think, he passed on to me. And it's not one of those things like, uh, you got to know this because blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. It's a, hey, look, the world <laughs> is big. You got to learn this. And we have our instructors, so to speak, the, the guys that are here, the business guys that were here and everything. Okay, and one of the things that I recall, and later on I started simulating this in my own personality, my own uh, thing, many things happened. So, one of the things is that what he learned, he tried to make it so that if he does have a family, he makes sure that his kids would uh, mm, yeah. not be placed into a position where mm. they're going to have a heck of a time trying to survive within that environment. And you know, my name, person and middle name is not tomorrow. <laughs> it's English. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that he was coping with us not being held down. Yeah. Now, the other part of this thing in here, right after the war, <clears throat> I have an uncle that uh, somehow had some boxing gloves that his older brothers had brought over to the house and he wanted to, you know, he's about my same size, right? And you know, our culture, religiously, is that you kill somebody, you go to hell, <laughs> uh. you know? So there I was, oh, by the way, before that, my dad used to, to get me to go watch the uh, boxing. Oh, yeah. And my favorite was Baby Aragonis. Mm. And because he was small, <laughs> and number two, he was very sly, he was very smart. And I've seen him, Deca, the other guy, mm -hmm. with just one big punch. <laughs> Whereas, you know, to dig anybody, you know, you always, he gets up, right? This guy never got up. <laughs> yeah. And it was just the way that he was doing things. Mm -hmm. And I, that kept in my mind. So when, when we were doing boxing, I did one, what I learned from uh, Baby Aragonis. Yeah. And you know what? I knocked him out. <laughs> and there I was. Can you imagine me turning around and, and being worried because I'm going to go to hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway. But then when he, uh, I guess when he got out of it, uh -huh. you know, I was very happy that I changed my, my uh, you might say, the way that I would operate. Mm -hmm. I would never do any, any, any harm. Yeah. You know, because I was afraid that yeah, I wouldn't be lucky, yeah, uh -huh. you know, if I were to. Because, see, I learned a lot of yeah. other things. Uh -huh. 
you know, like jujitsu or judo or something like that. That's just the pressure points anyway. Yeah. Just to protect because I was small and everything else. Mm-hmm. And and I followed some of the old, the, you know, the American way is three strikes and you're out type deal. Mm-hmm. So if I were to get into an altercation, I would make sure that I would, I would use that as a good Bible to, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say, stop that, you know, please stop that. Uh, that hurts. Yeah. And second time, raise the voice up, you know, just, uh, hey, you know, intone that so that you, you're serious now, hey. Mm-hmm. Then on the third one, do what you have to do just yeah. to, to make sure that that message yeah. gets through. And I've done that, you know, and I've done that when, when I was yeah. going to high school in California. I see. Then college is another thing. Mm-hmm. When you get to college, you, you try to learn as much as you can. Yeah. Starting out, I think it'd be best that you get yourself some sort of a challenge, like to learn about other things, mm-hmm. read. I used to put uh, put myself in a challenge that I would read five books outside of my regular, you know, uh, study uh, thing. Yeah. And I would use the decimal system and I would say, okay, I got to know more about other people, go to, to uh, biographies, yeah. you know, of other good people that uh, were successful and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then keep on going on up. And the language helped out a little bit, uh, you know, because in science, uh, I was in science, so I had to learn a foreign language. This was the olden days, so uh, I couldn't I couldn't speak uh, the French type because I don't have the nasal thing. So I took German instead because it, you know French, German, or Russian. Yeah. Okay. So I took German, and I'll tell you what. Sometimes I couldn't understand the English thing. So I would, when I go down to the library, I would pick up one that's written in German. Yeah. Just for the, that particular, uh, you know, uh, part of the uh, study, the subject. Yeah. And I found that that really helped. So languages just mm. help you out too. Those are things that uh, that help to broaden your. Oh, your yeah. I mean, you have to. You, you see, you have to challenge yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because if you don't yeah. challenge yourself, you're going to be one of the things that one of those that would just say. I'll go with the flow and I'll just yeah. do this instead of just trying to. But see, the beauty of all of these things in here is that you must be able to assimilate this and then using your own intellect to try to process it through on just when is appropriate or when you must do. Remember, one, two, three, you know, yeah. thing. So those things would, in, you know, would help you out in your actual makeup, yeah. your human nature. Here you're using whatever it is that's in the nature of being a human mm-hmm. into what kind of a human do you want to be <laughs> when you are dealing with other human because you know yeah. you know that human you know human mm-hmm. beings are all like various right they have to be with others mm-hmm. so in order yeah. to be with others you have to mm-hmm. so we have some yeah. questions we have some questions Komalika so go off and I some question like yeah get any get any who may again the internet and so I, uh, sometimes I like to say because you know when you talk about identity and and uh, independence you're talking about preserving something right. you know culture we call it culture could mean anything you know, when you live away from Guam, you know, you know, they ask you where you come, all those questions yeah. makes you think more because you're not in Guam. They don't ask you in Guam. So for many years, like I, 
I met many people that would ask me questions and very difficult to answer some of them because uh, mm -hmm. uh, they don't know about the island. Uh, so what I used to do is this, um, I tried to explain it this way to many Americans that do not know us, you know. I said, you know, um, I once read that the difference between a Frenchman and an Englishman, you know, I studied philosophy, you know, in the mm -hmm. university. And the French discovered that when you're talking to Englishmen, is the opposite of what the Frenchman is talking about. <laughs> the French believe in deductive reasoning, establish a principle and draw conclusions. The English started inductive, you know, here it is, a tail here, then at the end, you know, it's a, monkey, a donkey or a goat, you know. So <laughs> we tomorrow, I started thinking, I think we also have a characteristic. We like playing tomorrow, we circle the wagon. Mm -hmm. We sent two guys to Washington, one of them is a relative of mine, Tunki Kusuil, you know, BJ and BJ. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is very interesting. So I told this to them before. Um, these two guys went there and they tried to see Roosevelt in 1936. And they had a hard time because, first of all, they didn't know, you know, they didn't know anybody who would introduce them. But B.J. Perry Bordal, you knew some newspaper guy and put him together. But anyway, my point in all of this is that these two guys went to Washington and they went and saw Roosevelt. And the first thing Roosevelt asked them, I'm talking now about circling the wagon, how is the Navy treating you? Well, you know, <laughs> this two guy, you know, knew that he was undersecretary of the Navy. He appointed a lot of governors in there. So what these two said is that it's fine, but we'd rather be American citizens, even under the Navy. Of course, Roosevelt started laughing because you cannot put American citizens governed by our naval commanders, you know. So that's what I think with some more, we don't confront. We said, get rid of these idiots, you know, who are governing us. So they say, make a citizen. It's actually very clever. If you make a citizen, how can you put these guys over us? Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, so uh, this is the way I think tomorrow think. This is the way. The other thing about tomorrow thinking is their jokes. Most of our jokes is the reverse of what we were talking about. Do you know that? When we say, you know, the guy's very fast in tomorrow, we say he's very slow. You know, we, we do like the opposite. I don't know why. Maybe we, did we learn it from uh, the ancient tomorrow? And tomorrow? <laughs> we always do the reverse, you know. Um, I mean, a lot of people nickname, you know, they're very slow people. Man, they're cold, you know, they're cold. You can see it's Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, another thing about tomorrow's life, we like nicknames and American guys ask me, how come when people die in Guam, they all go to heaven? Because, you know, when you look at the obituary, <laughs> I said, well, you know, uh, well, they said, you know, we tomorrow's think that there's no hell, you know, you know, it's only heaven, so. <laughs> but we do that, we say, you know, she died, you're gonna meet his mother and father in heaven. Right. Nobody ever says he went the other way, you know. <laughs> and that is tomorrow thinking. It's very, very strange, but I don't know. The other thing about us is when our jokes yeah. always related to ancestral or uh, respect. You know, we ask permission to Tronco Nunu, we all those things in tomorrow, you know, when you go to the woods, 
and you, you know, want to do something in the woods, you ask permission. And the Americans, somebody asked me, do they do that in Guam? You ask permission to a tree? <laughs> well, I said to them, let me tell you this. It's ancestral, you know, respect, but we take it literally in the island, you know. And uh, I'm telling this because I like to make a joke out of it. <laughs> when I was a youngster here, we used to go barbecue in a farm, you know. So once in a while, you know, we go to the farm. Well, we, one, we hit one chicken on the road, the other one we bought in the market. So we got two chickens, one stolen and one chicken we bought. Well, I started, you know, to prepare for the barbecue. I sent these guys to get, you know, woods, you know. I couldn't find any salt. They put it in their head because they found out that Tronconunu was nearby and they they would not touch the food. So they came back and have to shake their head to get the salt. So but that I don't think they were I don't think that they were, you know, stupid or anything. I think it's ancestral. Uh, but that happened like happened in Guam, uh, you know, this uh, and they, so this is this Chamorro character I think is that I think we as a people generally uh, or um, we 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 like a thing like to to make friends in different ways though no? I think this is what Chamorros are we make friends we give so many uh, nicknames to people that some are so you know funny uh, when I was going in Agania in the old days then typhoon comes you know you know a lot of people have wooden one family nearby, their kitchen has been leaning for so long, they turned out they were known forever egging that egging. family. Egging. That's because the, the kitchen was leaning hanging for so long. <laughs> so you know, uh, many like that, you know. Uh, it's like that's a moral character. So you know, in Guam I told the Americans, you know what's a moral son? They always carry a, a piney, you know, a comb. We always comb my hair because we don't want anyone to tell you Kochi means you're Lincoln, you know. <laughs> so in Guam, you know, when you don't have a haircut, they call you Lincoln. So I make sure I comb my hair, and I, you know. But that's our character. Like, yeah. We we like to, uh, you know, I mean, we, you know, we, that's a, the way we relate to other people. Of course, we all laugh about it, but, you know, we don't want to be called Lincoln, you know. But uh, but that, I thought that's really some moral character that I don't think Americans understand that uh, as a part of our character, that uh, we're a people basically that I think like, like I mean, uh, we assume no, a lot. When you die, you go to heaven, you assume that. And, uh, but the other thing that is very funny, you guys, you know, after, were born after the war. Most of the American priests do not speak tomorrow. They never learn. So they have a list for the confession of all the bad, mm. you know, you know, Manyoki um, means to steal all the way down, you know. They, they listen to that, the phonetics. See? So when we were to go to confession, we invent words, you know, so you would never find it, you know. I mean, we tell him something and he would never find it, so one Hail Mary only. But, <laughs> but uh, the reason I mention this is because the last Spanish bishop was Olano. And I was an altar boy with Olano. He spoke fluent tomorrow. That bishop came to Guam in 1925 from Spain. Perfect tomorrow. He told us to, you know, the mass, how to serve mass. 
The other thing is most of us in those days did not learn our Father Hill Mary in English, all in Samoa. And the other thing is this, a friend of mine was going to University of Michigan, found a dictionary there, 18, I think 1790 something, Samoro Spanish Dictionary, 1790 something. You know, I met one Jesuit priest once who was teaching in a, some Indian reservation, and he said, What kind of language is speaking Guam, you know? And I said, Tomorrow, said, What kind of dialect is that? Like, Father, you know that we have a dictionary in the Spanish tomorrow in 1893? <laughs> he shut up. He never asked me another question. <laughs> in other words, really, the Spaniards that came to Guam. In order to convert each Amoro, they spoke their language first. Mm -hmm. Then they convert them. Mm -hmm. You have to give them credit because I think the result of that, they preserve the language, you know. It's very interesting that uh, we don't acknowledge that. We talk about Chamorro Indian War, you know. But actually, the, the Spanish troops that came to Guam, I think, were a small bunch of guys. Most of them probably were recruited from the Latin America, Peru, you know, they were becoming independent. They, but uh, the Spaniards who came to the island, I think the major force was the, the missionary priests. They wanted to convert, you know, some Vittorias, of course, you all know. You know. So this is what I thought uh, the Spanish contribution, I think it's our, preserve a lot of what, you know, and we borrowed from them the best part of it. You know, we borrowed some of their best parts. The, the Spanish. Now that my point is that um, I think he, he, we like Samoros underestimate that our culture is so strong that he survived all of this, all of this pressure from the outside, American, Spanish, but we survived like, you know, uh, somehow we, we survived. I mean, but um, as I said, you know, uh, um, uh, protecting culture and all these things, those are very kind of abstract words, but you have to kind of pin it down exactly to what I was telling you, that we have a characteristic very different from everybody, you know, you know we, I mean, uh, I think this is what we are, uh, you know, I think the, our culture basically is very kind of like a family-oriented, and when there's a typhoon, everybody automatically goes to help. Nobody was asked. I think that is a more custom, you know, uh, yes. you help, yes. you just don't ask, you show up. Yeah, you too late, eh? That's a too late yeah. aspect. It's, a, it's an aspect of our culture, yeah. Wait, so we have some questions, and so, yeah. is it okay then? We'll take a couple questions from, from people that are watching. Okay, and so, first of all, some... some... Now I give you a lot of psychology to study. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Actually, the, uh, I think we have a psychological point of view, very different. Also, here, Senor, here's one question from yeah. uh, from people that are watching. Yeah. And so, do you ever talk to other people your age about this issue of decolonization? And how do you find that people your age respond when you talk to them about decolonization? Are they open to it or are they uh, not open to it? Yeah. You can start it. You know. Actually, some would just say, uh, probably impossible mm -hmm. because uh, it's been ingrained into everything that we do actually 
you know, everybody has to learn English. Everybody has to act like street-siders or whatever. And you can see that because uh, we try to mimic whatever it is that we watch TV, about what's happening back in the States, you know, the rap, the, uh, even the hairdo, even you name it all. I mean, different kinds. And uh, those are some of the things that uh, some of the stuff you know, some of our other islanders have already. And, uh, but it's an islander type thing. Uh, sometimes this is, uh, it's looked at that, uh, well, you know, you gotta be with the times, you know, that thing about with the times, mm -hmm. with the times, whose times, yeah, that was the question. Mm -hmm. And the, the, those that would say, yeah. You know, as far as independence go, I don't know, uh, because number one, it's not going to happen. Number two, but we would like to have, let's say, statehood. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it's going to have all of these. So whatever the rationale that's impugned in their mind already, based on what they have been seeing, you know, in those times, mm -hmm. those times. and. Uh, but if they were to, if you were to go back and look at the way it was before, like during the Japanese occupation, I mean, you don't see anybody uh, starving really, even during the Japanese occupation, mm. even though the Japanese was taking a lot of the stuff that was being planted, you know. And, uh, but still, you know, you don't see anyone dying of starvation. There is something about the, the natives' uh, lives is that they can always, figure out how to survive. Mm. And, uh, but they've also been casual, maybe that's not the right word to use, but I think some of the meaning is there already, where a guy, you know, hey, this is the modern world, this is this, this is this, this is this, everything else. So, you, you know, get with the groove. I mean, you'll get in the groove and, you know, get on the bandwagon or get on the, Get on the wagon for Pete's sake, you know. Mm -hmm. Notice the voice change, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. because you see that really, uh, and that's out of the uh, ex exasperation or, or you know, just sort of like, uh, hey man, I don't want to talk about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, those are some of the things that, that would pop up, and uh, or so. Then to another question from uh, Michael Mengiola Garcia, yeah, who is uh, one of our our super patrons, uh, avid watcher, and so he going to your point about how. Sometimes if you, you know, if you talk to, to elders about the time before the war, when life was more sustainable, they, they realize that, of course, Guam can take care of itself because Guam did take care of itself before. Um, so what, what uh, Michael Garcia was talking about here is that his grandfather, who survived the World War II uh, occupation of Guam by the Japanese, is open to independence. But... Um, the next generation that was raised in the States, so your, your children's generation, they're the ones that are not open to it, that don't think it's possible because whereas your generation grew up in the, in sort of in, in a time of tsensuli, in, in afamaulik, of people working together to, to, to sustain, the next generation grew up in a time of consumer capitalism and JCPenney catalogs yeah. and the Brady Bunch and and so on and so yeah. what do you, what do you how do you talk how do you find interaction <clears throat> with your children's generation 
talking to them about it. Yeah, let me tell you, um, you know, uh, I've lived in Washington, D.C. for many, many years. You know, I'm in a career in the federal government. In my time, uh, one guy came to Washington, the late Tony Palomo. Uh, he had a high position with the Interior Department and said, you know, Tony and I will meet for lunch. And I was very careful because he was under off. Mm. presidential appointee, you know, not to speak anything anti-somebody. and uh, But then I realized that I said, uh, Tony, uh, how do you like the setup where you are? They have what they call there a Samoan desk, the Virgin Island desk, and a Guam desk. Where did they put Tony? They put him in the Samoan desk. <laughs> so <laughs> I said to me, so he discussed with me, you know, and uh, said, you know, I think I, the reason is because, you know, you're a former newspaperman, you ran for, he was a senator, so they're afraid that anything that, you know, controversial, you might let her write about. So <laughs> Tony started laughing, you know. And I said that um, to him that, um, uh, so I discussed with him many, many times about uh, uh, your situation in Guam, you know. And here's what happened. Uh, later on, Tony and I began to get together when I was coming to Guam with a few others, Ricardo Duenas, who died. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I be, and then I invited Ed, and then I invited Joada, the former governor. We started having, because I thought that our group can talk to our generation to find out really, you know. And I, I thought that um, uh, they were, uh, especially Governor Anna, you know, uh, Governor Anna pushed that issue so hard. He was very close to finishing it. And his term ended, and apparently that task force, but the president of the United States did not listen to what they were after. I think under Clinton or something. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, I think I discussed this with a lot of other tomorrows in the state. But you have to remember, when you're in Washington D.C. and you know, it's a political city, a lot of these people do not want to talk about you know what we're trying to change in Guam that we don't like, they think so. Uh, for some reason or other, uh, people don't like to discuss it openly. But I keep telling them, I said, you know, um, the only people that really uh, know about us are the people in those committees, you know, mm. and where our delegate sits. Outside of that committee, probably some in the interior department and it's very funny in the interior department, they always hire somebody, not from Guam at that point. They hired them from New Mexico because Manuel Lujan, you know, was higher up here, people. So a lot of those people sitting in, in the interior department that are uh, have some kind of a role over policies in Guam, actually don't know anything about the island. They say they have a Hispanic name, I guess, one or two. So they assume that we're all the same, you know. So, but my, my point in all of this, I also befriended George Stockholm. Uh, George is older than I am. <coughs> George, is, in my opinion, is an insider. He worked with Wompen, he was in a committee for 12 years. He worked for the State Department as a Foreign Service Reserve. He's got a tremendous background of the federal establishment. And uh, recently I even introduced him to, you know, to George because he, he actually, 
George on the Wolf, of course, cannot say anything bad, you know, but now that he's retired and mm -hmm. he's, he's talking the vernacular, I don't know, maybe the FBI, you know, <laughs> listening to our conversation, but have to hire it tomorrow, you know. But uh, now he's coming out to tell me about the things that he, you know, he didn't like for many, many years. Uh, he said that uh, in Guam, I think what happened is this, we came out of the war, and of course, one but recognized how much we suffered damages and everything else. We lost land. So we end up as beggars at the beginning. We keep begging for help, begging for this, begging for that. And at one point, you know, it becomes almost normal, you know, it's like a laundry list, you know. So every delegate that comes has a laundry list. But I think that that was because of our situation of World War II. We had no other choice. You know, we lost our land. A guy that was bombed and uh, bulldozed by the Navy, um, there were no Japanese. In, I was a little boy in the war when the first bomb came in Agana. They bombed the hospital, they have a cathedral, and then one bomb came close to my house. My God, my father, they were having breakfast, we were thrown off, you know. But um, so that's what I mean. There were no Japanese, they were only in Jigu and. and on uh, Libogun, which is now in Imichio. The Japanese were in that area, not in Agania, nothing, but Agania was wiped, destroyed completely, you know. Um, the other thing lies this, is that I think like uh, the people in my generation, I think Ed can agree with me, what they went through, um, you know, the depression came, the war came, uh, how the heck did they ever, how did we ever recover from that, you know? I mean, most of the people, my, my father's generation, they lost everything. You know, the depression came and therefore there was no, Guam was completely dead. And then the war came and we were under Japanese occupation, we were abandoned. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> and the fact of the matter is, is that uh, Tony Palomo wrote a very good book about uh, an island in uh, agony, and you guys read it. You know the, who did the fighting in the Plaza de España? Chamorros. With World War One rifle and 10 bullets each. So they were told after you shoot your last 10 bullets, drop your rifle and run to the, uh, you know, over to the Agana Spring there, which they did. <laughs> but I mean, that's what happened in World War II. The Chamorro did the fighting in, with yeah. the Japanese. And they never, they put a statue now down there, but they're the only guys that uh, did yeah. the fighting. Not, the Marines surrendered. I see. They put up their hands in Sumai, you know. They didn't not one shot from the Marine barracks. I told some Marines that they were angry. <laughs> I mean, they said, you guys were chicken. They didn't fight, you know. So, um, <laughs> but the point is this, that uh, they didn't give credit light to our Samoro guys, you know. Mm -hmm. And many of them had never shot a rifle. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the point I'm trying to say is this, is that, um, uh, I think like that uh, you guys, your generation, you got to realize that you know, we have to make changes in the island in order for us, I think, as a people like to recognize that we have a past and we have something to contribute, like, in my opinion. Uh, America, like, in, in, for some reason or other, still think they're back in World War II. Mm. 
you know, they want to advance their defense all the way up here. Yeah. You know, first beyond California, the manifest destiny, keep moving west, you know. And I don't think like that we should be, these islands should be used like Gibraltar. <laughs> I don't think we should be put as a military base forever. The Spanish wanted Gibraltar back. And apparently, uh, since Franco died, I think, uh, now the Spanish government is telling them you better return that place, you know. But um, my point line in all of this is I, I think like that uh, America like, does not know who we are. We're invisible people. And I, and the other matter is this. We have too many people who settle in Guam here from, from the outside who do not look at our, our situation where we're very accommodating people. Chamorros are the only people that I know that married other people and they make them, our, our women make every marriage Chamorro. The Filipinos that married their Chamorro, like the Flores became Chamorro. The Underwoods, all of them became Chamorros, you know. <laughs> our women were the, the women of the strong force. Our women. They've no. converted all of these guys from Protestants to Catholics, uh -huh. you know. But I mean, that is our background. Paul, my, my brother-in-law, Paul McDonald, Paul said, you know, Paul, I know your grandfather was my Irish, but I don't think he ever showed up in church. But his grandmother made sure he went to church, you know. <laughs> so actually, uh, we are matriarchal. Eh? We are matriarchal society. Mm -hmm. I but, think our women, our women are yet. Yes. I think is the power. We yeah. kind of dance around them. <laughs> anyway, that's my comment. No, yeah. Sidus Masi and so. Sidus Masi. Did you want to, Senor Edrad, final thoughts? Okay, uh, I, earlier I mentioned something about the second, you know, second, you know, like the time to reap the, uh, the harvest. Uh, Think of it as finding out finally that whatever it is that was planted got spoiled. And the question now becomes a quest. And the young ones has gotta do something about it, really. But they got to be able to rapport among yourselves. Because if you don't, you're always gonna be following the old way that we have been of being in video. We don't want to see anybody to grow. Always to be mahonyo. They'll bring up excuses. You can't because if you do, this is what's going to happen. But then they're forgetting about that in the past, whatever it is that has been done, had always been perfect. Nobody starves, no any of these things here. And you know, the Spaniards help us out by having the Colegio de San Juan de Electron. Oh, yeah, the Spanish actually started to educate the indigenous. And uh, you know, they learned Spanish. And you know, my grandmother still knows Spanish. Well, at that time, it was the only way that I could communicate with her. Mm -hmm. 
I could write in Tamoro, but it's not the kind of the Tamoro <laughs> type language that they understand. <laughs> because I would uh, Americanize it, you know, like my own funny candy. And, you know, you know, you know what was that again? You know, so uh, uh, Spanish was the only way that I could relate to to, to, to them, really. and uh, But, you know, really, let me share this. America has done this much for all of us, number one, is that it has given us the perspective of knowing what it is about being a human being. By that, I mean, You've seen the French, you've seen the the British, and and all the European coming to the United States because number one, they were being persecuted. So, when America built its country, it's based on the four things. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that stuck. And we learned that from America, really. It's just that, like all kinds of systems, someone or something would establish it, but somewhere along the line, there would be somebody from that, the the person that initiated those things, may be changing whatever it is that was initially believed to be for those people. And the changes are being made from certain kind of entities. You might call it that entity, the establishment. Mm-hmm. Now, you can define your own meanings of what establishments are. One, uh, if you want to be uh, philosophical, uh, you go back to the very basic, how things were begun. Go back into history. See, you young people know about history. What you probably haven't really truly realized is that, you know, history repeats itself. And when you come down to where you hit the wall, you say, hey, look, why do I always try to go and hit the wall when there's a door over there? <laughs> so, you know, you gotta use, you got to use whatever it is that already... And you know, America really, if, and I'll tell you, if you were to go back into history, America is the only country that I know, and I believe this, that really has that thing about what it is to be human, you know, human beings, the human race, really. And they proved it. World War II, for example, especially, because in World War II, you have dictators that really look at humans as if they were nothing. By that I mean, hey, let's experiment on them, let's do this, let's do that, and everything else. Same with uh, on the other side of the home, you know, you got the European side and you got the Asiatic type. Mm-hmm. And they, even they also did those things. Yeah. And you know, they did that with the, with the with another Asiatic country. Mm-hmm. 
And they did have that, and they learned a lot from that, just like over in Europe, they learned a lot about that. And we also picked up from learning about what they learned. But see, you young ones, you can read up and learn and, and uh, do something about those things because they are what we refer to probably functional areas, if you were to use the word to study. You know, study to be engineer, study to be a physicist, study to be what, whatever, politician. And if one, you, you young people were to really just step off to the side and look at what it is that you have been studying, that you could utilize, you could utilize that is yours personally, okay? So that by getting with the others, that you probably find out, say, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> no, 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 because that's human nature. And the only thing is that we never follow through. We never yeah. follow through. That's what happened, and uh, what uh, Tony was saying about, you know, Governor Doe, Doara, what he started, but then I guess it just didn't go through. But it's still there, eh? It's still there. Si Dios mas es Señor. Si Dios mas es Señor. And so, um, just to yeah. sort of, I want to to thank to thank again um, our guests today on this very special uh, episode of Fanatsu. Um, to my right over here is uh, Ed Perez. Yeah. To my left over here is Tony Baza. Um, we learned a lot this episode, Sidus uh, Masi, and the comments yeah. that we've gotten from, from people good. are also very positive yeah. as well. But I want to remind you before we go, this is a very special Christmas episode of Fanatsu. And so um, we're going to now all sing uh, Dandani Pandaretas <laughs> together. And... All right, there, we're done. Maulek Estemanadzen. No, no, we're not going to sing <laughs> But um, this is just a reminder that all of you out there who are patrons, you make all of this possible. And so if you want more great conversations like this, um, then please remember that you can support this by signing up through Patreon as either a Hatsa, a Hugwa, or a Tulu member. Every little bit helps. But if you sign up as a Hugwa member or a Tulu member, you get radical readings, radical, mm -hmm. radical history, the stuff that I'm going to record right now as soon as we're done with this. By the way, that's that's like an extra 30 minutes of uh, content that you yeah, don't get on the pre-show. Yeah. So. Oh, and before last thing before we go, I wanted to give you your own special independent Guahan t-shirts. <laughs> I'm so sick. Senor Baza, Estigi, and now it's on. Man, I'll be arrested in DC with this. Thank you, Life. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm so much. Who go for a great destiny? I'm not in my nest. 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 And so that is it. So, should we plug the, fo the fourth? Uh, yeah, yeah. Should we? No, no, maybe well, we should, we shouldn't. I don't know, I'll just say that we, we do have uh, something very special lined up uh, for January 4th. Next, oh wait, oh no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so uh, stay tuned, uh, we'll be uh, releasing something very shortly, so. Oh, so we're not plugging it now. We'll plug no. it. Okay, yeah. all right, see you. Sidus Masi, adios, este king. Adios.